go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, February the 19th, in the year of our Lord, 2024. And of course, today is also a holiday in the country, President's Day. But in the church, we don't have a president. We have a redeemer. And that redeemer is none other than Jesus Christ. On Mondays, we take a look at the lessons for the second Sunday in Lent, which will be February the 25th in the year of our Lord, 2024. Now, before I talk about the lessons, there is also a gradual that is spoken of every week. This particular gradual is from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It reads, O come, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This clearly talks about fixing our eyes on the founder and perfecter of our faith, not our works, but our faith, which is trust in his promises. And those promises, he endured the cross for us and therefore is seated at the right hand of the throne of God at this time. So our readings are from Genesis 17, and this is God talking to Abraham about establishing a new covenant with him that will last forever. And of course, that covenant is explained at the Last Supper of Jesus Christ when he does what? He gives them his body and blood and the forgiveness of sins. The Holy Gospel is from Mark chapter 8 when Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, well, some say they think you're John the Baptist, risen from the dead after having been beheaded by Herod. Others say you're Elijah. Others say you're one of the prophets. Jesus, though, asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And Jesus strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Now, that's not a Bible verse you would want to have on your church door. Don't tell anyone about Jesus. Why did Jesus say that to the disciples? Because 
he had three years of ministry that he had to fulfill in healing and preaching the gospel. And he wanted people to come to know him through his deeds and his words. As the father would say on the Mount of Transfiguration, listen to him. So the epistle which we're going to look at today is from Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 1-0. It reads, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a wonderful promise that we hear from God himself. We have peace with God the Father. For there was a time when God was in enmity against us because of our many sins. But because of the death of Jesus Christ, who died in our place and was a substitute for our sins, we have peace with God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, Romans 5. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Grace refers to God giving us undeserved blessings. And of course, the greatest undeserved blessing, one that we don't deserve, is the forgiveness of sins. And on Pentecost, we also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are part of the family of God because we have obtained access by faith into this grace. We have not obtained access to God the Father by works, no. It's impossible to obtain access by our works because we always fall short of the glory of God. But we stand now in the grace of God and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What does that mean? What does it mean to rejoice in hope. It means that because God has given us faith to believe the promises of Jesus Christ, we now have obtained the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It is the fact 
that we have obtained justification. What is that justification? It is that we have been brought into the presence of God the Father, and we are now one with him, with God being our Father, Jesus being our brother, and the Spirit being our receiver of the glory of God. More than that, and this is interesting, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now, who would ever want to be a Christian hearing that that's another promise, that you will rejoice in sufferings? What are those sufferings? They're found in the Beatitudes, for example, in Matthew chapter 5. They are the sufferings of being persecuted for our faith and also the sufferings of the devil who wants to bring us back under his control. But we rejoice in those sufferings because we are free from the devil himself. When we know that we are suffering, that produces endurance, which is safety against the devil and his evil works. And that endurance produces character. Character refers to our attitude towards God. We no longer think of him as our enemy, but as our friend because he endures for us the glory of his presence. He answers our prayers. There is no prayer that we send to God that he does not answer. In what? In producing hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the what? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Yes, that gift of the Holy Spirit pours love into our new hearts in response to David's prayer in the Psalms. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That love comes from God the Father, who so loved us that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall be saved. When did this occur? Did this occur when our works had become more perfect? That we are doing what God wants us to do? No. It occurs, according to verse 6, while we were still weak. 
at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. See, we are considered to have been ungodly when Christ died for us. We were like the thieves on the cross who sinned against God. And we are like that thief who asked for the forgiveness of sins and to be in the presence of God. And God promised him, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, Christians with our new hearts are living in the paradise of God. We have hope that does not put us to shame. Yes, we have many things that cause us to suffer because we are in the world, but we endure that suffering through the power of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Jesus received that power when he was baptized by John the baptizer. He received that power as he endured the baptism of repentance, not repenting of his own sins, but being sinless, he repented of our sins. He endured the sufferings of the devil. Remember what happened directly after being baptized by John the baptizer? He went into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. So verse 7 says, One will scarcely die for a righteous person. What does that mean? That means that there's no death necessary for a price for such a person who is righteous. That was the characters of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden prior to their fall into sin in listening to the devil. They were indeed righteous and God would not have had to die for them for they were good people and one would even dare even to die that God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners Christ died for us See, that's a huge difference between every religion in the world that is not part of Christianity. They believe that God will suffer for us and forgive us after we have died as sinners. That's when Christ dies for us. But no, he died for us while we were still 
sinners. That's a wonderful word of promise. That's why our sins should not bother us because we are not going to be going to hell because of our sin. Now that's a wonderful promise that is very difficult to believe in the world because we think that by our sin, we will not be saved from the wrath of God. But verse nine says, since we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from what? From the wrath of God. What's the wrath of God? It's God's anger against us because of our sin. For verse 10 really summarizes for us the way of our salvation. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's the message of the Christian faith, that we are saved while we were his enemies. He reconciled us, and that word, which is found in verse, verse 10, means that we were bought out of slavery. How did Jesus buy us out of slavery? He did us by the death of his cross. And that's how you and I, who have faith, are saved by his life. More than that, as Christians, verse 11 says, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What's reconciliation? Reconciliation means that we are now reconciled to God. You know, occasionally we get into an argument with a friend and we are therefore not in reconciliation with them. In every other religion in the world, you become reconciled to God by no longer sinning. But in Christianity, we remain sinners. We are always in the world considered as still being sinners. But Christ died for us, and therefore we are justified by his blood. Tell me another religion that teaches that. You can hear it constantly on AM 850 KFUO.
That's the message of this radio station. It's a message that's really hard to understand that while we are still sinners, we get reconciled to God and saved by his life. That reconciliation has occurred because Christ has reconciled himself to us, not because we are so good in our works, but because Jesus was so good in his works, in dying on the cross, we now longer, no longer have a burden of having to do perfect good works to be reconciled to God. That's a wonderful gift from the gift of the Holy Trinity. The Father who is reconciled to us by Jesus Christ, who saved us by his life, through the Holy Spirit, through whom we have received such reconciliation. And that occurred when we were enemies of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus in the gospel asks us the question, who do people say that I am? And when Peter answered him, you are the Christ, that's the name of God from even the Old Testament, Christ being the one who reconciled us to him. And in verse 31 of Mark chapter 8, Jesus taught them that the Son of Man, and that's referring to the Christ, that he would suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed. But after three days, rise again. Now, it's almost that the disciples did not hear that promise that after his being killed, he would rise again three days later. Remember, Peter took him aside and Peter began to rebuke Jesus. He said, no, you will not die. We will protect you. And Jesus turned and in front of the disciples, he rebuked Peter telling him, get behind, behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. That's the difference between you being an unbeliever and you being a Christian. As a Christian, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can endure the sufferings that Satan sends to you. And by enduring the sufferings, you are reconciled to God. 
by the sufferings of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said to them in verse 34 of Mark 8, if anyone would come after me, that is, would come into my presence, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Yeah, if you attempt to save your life by doing good works, you end up in a situation where you actually lose your life. But he who loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man, according to verse 46, to gain the whole world, have many riches, have a good reputation because of good works that he attempts to do on his own? He can gain the whole world, but he will forfeit his life. For what can a man give? in return for his life. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. But when you are not ashamed of Jesus, when, as the gradual says, you fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the founder and perfecter of your faith, who endured the cross, despising the shame for us, you too will be at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the message of the Christian faith, which we will continue to hear when we study his hymn tomorrow. Lord, thee I love with all my heart, a heart given to us by God himself. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.